What up, HyperChange? Welcome to another episode. Today, we're gonna be talking about Tesla and the company's vertical autonomy stack, essentially its approach to building self-driving car technology and why I believe they might be so far ahead of the competition and, and almost no one understands what is going on here and what Tesla's strategic plan is and how far along they are in, in achieving this groundbreaking discovery and disruption of self-driving cars and actually bringing that uh, technology to the masses. So today, we're gonna talk all about the robo-taxi business and I just spent three hours Rewatching Tesla's Autonomy Day presentation, which actually went to in California, um, was there in person, but now I've rewatched it online, took like four pages of notes, and we're gonna go through all of it right now. And, and first, I wanna break down, you know, what Tesla said at its Autonomy Day, and then why I believe Tesla's so far ahead of the competition, and what implications this could have for Tesla's business, and why this makes me so excited and bullish about the, the company's stock and its valuation and just potential in the next couple of years. So, Tesla, about three or four weeks ago, held its inaugural uh, Autonomy Investor Day, which was this huge presentation um, from the leading executives on that team explaining their self-driving car technology. Martin opens the day on stage. He's the head of investor relations. Shout out to Martin because he's awesome and, and was a, a huge you know, key piece of making this investor day happen, which was amazing. And I got invited and got to experience it. So, so huge shout out. Thank you. And um, he opens it by saying, you know, he... All he does all day is talk to investors um, of Tesla and you know explain to them what's happening in the company and the business. And so he is this middleman between the investment community and what's happening inside Tesla. And he said the biggest gap that he sees is that people just don't understand the autonomous driving capabilities that Tesla's vehicles have and the technology they've been developing for the past couple of years. And that was why they wanted to have this investor day to explain to people what has been going on. The first piece of this presentation is all about the chip, the actual hardware. And so they bring on the leader of that uh, team, which is a guy by the name of Pete Bannon. So Pete Bannon is a Silicon Valley veteran. He worked for this chip company um, for a bunch of years designing industry-leading chips that was eventually acquired by Apple. Um, and he went on to lead the efforts for like the iPhone 5 chip and developing Apple's core chip technology, which is now some of the best in the industry because of the work he did. Um, and then he got basically got poached by Tesla and uh, began working for Tesla in February 2016. And so Pete Bannon comes to Tesla with the mission of building uh, a chip for this fully self-driving computer from scratch, from the ground up, this designing it for this artificial intelligence product. And what's crazy is no chips prior to this point have taken that approach. Everyone in the self-driving car, you know, autonomous car industry is leveraging NVIDIA's chips, which are actually like repurposed from doing video game graphics, the GPU, into running these artificial intelligence systems. And it's not as efficient, it's not as specialized. And so Tesla took the approach of, we're gonna go start from scratch and actually build our own chip designed for this use case. What I think is incredible is, it, you know, February 2016, the team starts. By July 2018, production starts of the chip. You know, they're testing and actually building the chip they designed. December 2018, they're employee retrofitting this self-driving chip into cars. In March 2019, they built it into the Model S and X for production. And then in April 2019, they put it into the Model 3 into production. So it went from three years, this chip program, from an idea into production. Pete Bannon says that was the fastest program he's ever been a part of. A huge piece of that is because they only had one customer to please and that was Tesla. And, th and then they start going into, you know, extremely technical specifications about the chip. There's like a 20 or 30 minute piece of the presentation that I feel like if you're not an expert in this stuff, you don't understand. And so that's just a caveat throughout this whole thing. You know, I'm doing my best to understand and learn about this, but I'm totally new with these technologies and everything in this industry. So please forgive me if I make some mistakes and I have to gloss over it because I'll show you some slides right now. But the stuff he was saying was incredibly complex and just explaining how the chip works, the redundancy of the chip. And that's actually one thing Elon China 
chimed in on is said that any part of this car could fail and it will keep driving. They basically designed this to be substantially lower chance of failure than a human driver. And, and basically what that means is they, there's a far greater chance of a human losing consciousness than this computer actually shutting down. So that's a theme that's going to be very important in this episode is that, you know, the machines are safer than the humans. And then they kind of sum it up in, in these in these three slides, which I really like because for non-technical people like me, it makes it super easy. But basically saying here's the is the big advances we made. We made a 1.25 increase in actual power consumption of the fully self-driving trip. Now, this is really important because, you know, the chip needs to draw on its power, but they wanted to minimize the power it uses because if it uses too much power, that will start to eat into the range of the vehicle. And you do not want that. So one of the goals was to minimize power. And then in terms of cost, they were actually able to reduce the cost of this chip to be about 80% of the unit 2.5 hardware. So they have, you know, slightly more power used, but it's actually cheaper to produce. And what this really matters is in terms of performance, it's a 21x improvement from the last generation hardware 2.5. This is, you know, in, in frames per second that the systems can process. And this is a monumental improvement. Pete Bannon even says that he's never been on a project where the performance increase was more than three. This is a 21x increase in performance. And so, um, and Elon even says, perhaps this is the most important slide in, in the presentation, this frame per second slide, because it shows you just the incremental improvement from Tesla building its own chip from scratch, um, you know, built for this use case. And remember, it's actually, it's 21 times better in frames per second, but it's actually cheaper 80% cheaper and only uses 1.25x the amount of power. So this sums up, you know, how much innovation and disruption occurred at the hardware level when they built this chip. To sum it up, the fully self-driving computer um, can perform at 144 TOPS, which is better than the NVIDIA computer, which was 21 TOPS, outstanding power performance, full redundancy, modest cost. And, and what this all boils down to is that the fully self-driving computer will enable a new level of safety and autonomy in Tesla vehicles without impacting cost or range. That is so key. And, and then they have a Q&A and they were basically talking more and more about this difference of, you know, Tesla built this exactly, this chip for self-driving. That's the use case. NVIDIA has tons of customers that they have to please. It's just a more generalized solution that's not as good. And then Elon has his first quote about LiDAR, which he says, LiDAR is a fool's errand. Anyone reliant on LiDAR is doomed. And I, I love it. And this is going to be a, a recurring theme throughout the, the day where Elon basically says that vision-based is the way to go for the future. Then this analogy is something that I, I truly really hit home for me about why Tesla has the right approach here versus everyone else, which is that Elon is good friends with Larry Page and the Google founders, and he makes this analogy between Tesla's neural network and Google's neural network. Every time you type a search query into Google, you're training its neural network. You're training that AI. Every time you drive a Tesla, turn the wheel, do this, do that, step on the brake, step on the gas, reacting to what the car is seeing, you're training Tesla's neural network. This is a key piece of understanding. No one else has hundreds of thousands of cars on the road training their neural network. Um, basically, humans actually paying Tesla by buying their cars to train its neural network and make it better. This is a key, key component. And then they have a question about simulations and they say, oh, Waymo says it has a simulation, which, you know, is going to be way better than actually forcing yourself to drive in the real world. And Elon's like, well, simulations are great, but if you could actually make a simulation, then you would have already solved the self-driving car problem. And the problem with simulations, you don't capture all those long tail events and what you do in the real world. And that's really the value that Tesla's fleet has. That is the fully self-driving computer, this amazing piece of hardware that Tesla has built from the ground up from scratch to run its self-driving car um, program and software. And that's where the next piece of the presentation comes in from Andre Karpathy, who is a Stanford PhD, started this you know AI vision class at Stanford, blew up from 150 students to 750 to 700 students. Um, he's been working a decade on neural nets, a world leader in the field, incredibly smart guy. And he starts the next piece of the presentation about the software. And so he basically says the, the core 
core problem that we're trying to solve with software is visual recognition. You know, what are these cameras seeing? He starts out with this amazing analogy of, you know, how computers and neural nets and vision-based systems work, which is you have this visual recognition sort of system where we can see that that's a violin and a boat and an iguana and a pair of scissors. But the computer, when it looks at that iguana, all it's seeing is just a bazillion pixels. Like it doesn't know what it's looking at. And so you need to train that computer with a bazillion pictures of iguanas running it through the system to actually get it to learn what an iguana is. And what's so different about this is it's it's a totally new form of software. You know, this is what the biological neural net is, essentially your brain, you know, I can see a picture of an iguana and figure out it's an, an iguana with my neural net and then tell you it's an iguana. But, you know, a neural net that you build from scratch knows nothing. So it's not trained to know that it's an iguana or not. But that's what I'm trying to say here. And I'm way out of my depth. But the point is, is neural nets and artificial intelligence is an entirely new way of building software. It's a new type of software. It's not these if statements and commands. It's actually something that like thinks by itself and takes inputs and gives you an output. And so, you know, this is a very simple di diagram of what that looks like. There's not four nodes. There's like thousands of nodes or whatever, millions in the actual neural net. But this is the system. You know, you get all these inputs and then it just spits out an output based on a ton of different factors and calculations. If you start with a blank neural net, it may, you know, it may say there's a 10% chance this is an iguana, even though it is an iguana. Clearly, you know, 20% scissors, 30% cello, 40% boat. And we say, no, we want that 10% likelihood of an iguana to go up because it is an iguana. And this is how we start to train the neural net. And then after we train the neural net, it will run this back and it will say, oh, well, now I think from that same image, there's actually a 14% chance that it was an iguana. And so over time, we're modifying that, you know, telling it what it is, training it one picture at a time. And we repeat this millions of times. And eventually the neural network will figure out exactly what an iguana looks like. Um, and every single picture that you input in it to it makes it better. So this is the analogy for Tesla, which is that every single image here, you know, all of these crazy different scenarios and situations and lighting patterns are extremely difficult to see and navigate and learn. You know, we take for granted that our neural net with our two vision-based cameras can actually see what's going on and interpret it. But these neural nets that Tesla's computer has are starting from a blank slate. So they have to train themselves. And that's why these millions of miles are so important. So now they talk a little bit more about this whole simulation idea and why you can't actually have a simulation because the problem is there's so many weird little like one-off events like this triple truck, this, you know, bags on a thing, the, the boat on, on the road. Like there's so many long tail events that you could never imagine to even put in your simulation. So the simulation wouldn't capture them. So this is why it's so important for Tesla to have this huge fleet and actually be learning from that fleet. And once again, have a lot of variety in that fleet. So that's why you need a very large data set for a neural net to work, a very data set and a real data set, not something that's simulated. And then Andre goes into a little bit about how they actually train the neural net um, and how it learns these new situations and unique things. So let's say you want to see something um, and, and we're looking at something and it's like, oh, there's a car with a bike on it. Is that a bike and a car or a, bar a bike with a car? And then the neural net, we can ask it to pull all these different images of bikes on cars and then have a human go in and annotate that and say, oh, that's actually one object because the bike's attached to a car. That's actually one object because the bike's attached to a car. So forth to every single pattern, the bike example is just one thing. We can do this with boats to train the neural net of what boats looks like, pictures to train the neural net of what construction looks like, pictures to train the neural net of, you know, random debris on the road, of animals on the road, all of these different things that once they happen, you can start feeding it a bunch of images that are annotated by humans. And then the neural net with each image that you send in that's annotated will learn like, oh, that's what an animal looks like. Oh, that's what an animal looks like. It gets better and better at predicting it. And you run it through this system where, you know, it's constantly 
improving itself. And so this is the beautiful flywheel that Tesla has going for it. For every single image that you pull, that every single time you drive, you know, you're constantly retraining your neural network to get better and better and smarter and smarter. And then he goes into talking about fleet learning. And this is a really fascinating uh, technology that they're basically going even beyond humans labeling the data to where they actually do this thing that I didn't even fully understand. They give an example of cut-ins where they label, you know, okay, this is a cut-in when a car goes from either the right lane to the left lane or left lane to the right lane. We want to pull all the images of that from the fleet. And then we want to run that back through the simulator. So we can basically say, okay, in three seconds, we know that that car is going to change lanes because you already saw that footage. And we tell the neural network that, and then it starts training itself, looking for signs about why that car is going in. You know, did it start to move horizontally? Did the blinker come on? It's taking into account all of these things at once. And so this is actually a feature that they have been training using fleet learning without human annotation. And then they have actually implemented this cut-ins feature. And then one of the scariest things they do is they show path prediction. They show, you know, tying together once we train, you know, this AI, what does it actually look like? And so they show this really scary image of it predicting the path of different roads. And this was, this was an aha moment to me of where I was like, wow, once you start training this neural network, you can see it's seeing farther ahead than your eyes can see because it's just got that level of understanding of the probability of where the road's going. And this was just an aha moment for me of just like, wow, this neural network is smart and it gets it and it knows the road, definitely a better driver than my grandma. And, and back to pulling these images, because this is one of my the, my short seller friends, one of my the favorite arguments they like to make is that there's not enough data being uploaded to Tesla's neural network to actually be able to, you know, for them to leverage these billions of miles that are being driven. They're not actually uploading all that data, so they're not even training the neural net with it, so it's all a fraud or BS. That I'm sorry, that is such a poor understanding of what is going on because they explain this so clearly here, which is like what Tesla's cars are really specialized at doing is finding these incidents where there is that trigger where you need to pull the data of, let's say there's boats or let's say there's cut-ins, and then they label that data and they're really good at compressing it and sending it up to you. Only the data that you really, really need. And so that's the importance. It's not that you need a huge scale of data, but you need a lot of variety in that data. And to get that variety, those long tail use cases, you need lots of miles. So it's not they need to, you know, he makes this analogy that's like when you're driving straight on the highway, like we don't need to train the neural net on that anymore. That's really simple. That's most of miles. So most of miles, we don't need to pull that data from. We need to pull the data from the use cases. And so, you know, later in the talk, Elon explains why the car is being really good at being able to figure out what is that important moment to send back to the main system and compressing that, that is the key technology. Where's the trigger point? And that's what Tesla's cars are really good at. So even though it's not all the data the cars are seeing, it's exactly the, they're being strategic about pulling the most important data. And this is a key, key point about understanding um, how Tesla's training its neural nets. And on that note, Elon even says, though, they're working on internally on this problem program called Dojo, which is like a video neural net training. So instead of just pulling images and annotating them, they eventually want to do this all with like video in real time. That's like a, a next generation technology that's happening or, or they're working on called Dojo. And the other thing that Andre, you know, really stresses is that like you drove here with two eyes. Like everybody that got to Tesla's autonomy day was essentially being driven by, you know, a neural net with only two cameras that can only go in one direction at once. Like that's pathetic to the amount of sensor and hardware suite that Tesla actually has. They have eight cameras around the car and forward-facing radar. So you're looking at this car that, you know, it can see everywhere at once, every direction at once. Elon even has this funny analogy where he's like, I actually use LiDAR to dock the Dragon for SpaceX, and I personally led that effort. So he's a he's a fan of LiDAR, but he's like, in cars, it just makes no sense. So we didn't do it. It's useless. It's expensive. It adds to the design complexity, the aerodynamics. Like, it, there, there's, you know, it's just something you don't need. So... 
Then comes in Stuart Bowers, who is uh, joined Tesla for about a year ago. He is the uh, was at Microsoft for five years, Facebook for four years, Snap for three years. Um, his specialty is essentially packaging the hardware and software together of these machine learning projects. That's his passion, bringing machine learning into these consumer-facing products, implementing these breakthrough technologies that Tesla's developing. So he starts out with the example of Navigate on Autopilot, which is the newest feature that Tesla launched, which allows you to actually, your car will change lanes by itself, overtake cars, navigate on the highway autonomously. I mean, this is a huge step forward. They recently released this feature. He says they've already had people drive 70 million miles on this feature. Um, they've done over 9 million lane changes with zero accidents. They're doing 100,000 autonomous lane changes per day now, um, 100,000, and no accidents have occurred. I mean, this is incredible. This is an example of how Tesla's at the cutting edge of the technology, how six months ago they didn't have this feature. Now they have over 70 miles, million miles driven on it. And as you can see, the miles driven on are constantly going up. It's like, you know, when you type a search query, you're programming Google. Every time you're driving in your Tesla, you're programming the car and, and it's learning and it's getting better and better at executing those autonomous lane changes. Last part of the presentation goes to Elon. So Elon, um, of course, basically once again says redundancy, redundancy. That's he's stressing that as like we built everything in our car can fail and the car will keep driving. And then he says, you know, we've been building everything to design to be basically a robo taxi since 2016. You know, we and, and he says, I may be late on all my promises, but I always come through and it's going to be the same with this robo taxi business. You know, with that in mind, Elon is late on his deadlines. He says they will have feature complete full self-driving by 2019 and full robo taxi service pending regulatory approval planning to launch in 2020. This is incredible timeline, way faster than I was expecting. And he says, you know, there's an exponential rate of improvement in this technology. That is the reason why he's so confident in these rapid timelines for Tesla to, to you know, have this technology ready. And so the, the Tesla network is basically going to be a hybrid of Uber and Lyft. You can rent out your car um, whenever, when you're not using it, have it make money for you. This is the true autonomous robot taxi service. Tesla will be taking essentially a 25 to 30% cut of the revenue where there's not enough cars. Tesla will actually augment the cars, launch its own cars and its own fleet in cities where there's not enough. So, you know, they're going to be a full-fledged Uber Lyft competitor. It sounds like they want to get, you know, a significant portion of overall miles driven with this Tesla network. And there's an app, a super easy app that makes it really seamless to either tap to summon your car and have it drive itself to you if you want it or tap and have it join the Tesla network and make money for you when you're not using it. Um, and he says, you know, the fundamental utility of the vehicle, what a car is, will go from uh, will go up 5x in theory with this robot taxi disruption. This is the crux of the disruption of the robot taxi is you go from a car that's being utilized 10% of the time to a car that's being used 50% of the time. This is an incredible, you know, increase in efficiency and it will make the the entire economy frankly so much more efficient if we actually are getting the most out of our vehicles. And so that is the goal here. In the phase 1, they're going to build the the Model 3 robo taxis. They want to buy back all those Model 3s that they're leasing. You know, remember they put that crazy clause in their lease where they won't let you buy back your car and that's because they want to buy it back to start deploying it on a the Tesla network. And so here are the economics that Tesla is thinking of, you know, in general from a robo taxi. They want to have the cost be below 38,000 for the fully self-driving robo taxi. Um, it needs to be able to go a million miles um, of the vehicle and battery, which is an interesting tidbit because he says the battery can only go 300 to 500,000 miles now. But he says that the new generation battery they're planning to put in production next year will go a million miles. And I'm really, really curious if that is predicated on the Maxwell tech, uh, the Maxwell acquisition, whose technology is supposed to extend the battery life to about a million miles or double the battery life. So I think that was an interesting clue there. And then he also says they need to have really good energy efficiency of 4.5 miles per kilowatt hour. He even says that that could keep improving to five plus going forward. And, and, and what's so unique about Tesla's approach here is 
there's full integration, vehicle and battery production, in-house design of the hardware chip, the software, and the content data collection. Like Tesla, this is why I call this episode the full ver- the vertical autonomy stack because Tesla has built from the ground up, from the chip to the car and everything in between, the entire system. And every other competitor is not, and I think that's a huge Achilles heel. There's not a cohesiveness to their self-driving car technology that makes it way more expensive, way more difficult. And, and yeah, and Tesla's just moving faster because of this vertical autonomy approach and it's the reason they're so far ahead and so what does this mean you know right now the cost of a vehicle is 62 cents per mile according to triple the AAA uh, website apparently and they have you know 13,500 miles per year you drive 250 million cars you know this is a two trillion dollar per year uh, cost just here in the US it's a massive piece of our economy and interesting here is he says the average cost of ride sharing uber lyft right now is two to three dollars a mile the average cost of running a robo taxi will be 18 cents this is incredible it's so much cheaper. This is the big innovation. This is why it matters to you at home because you're going to be able to get call a robo taxi, basically an Uber Lyft, but with no one in it. And it's going to be able to get you wherever you want for half the cost, half the cost. If remember, you know how you always check Uber and Lyft to see which one is like two cents cheaper. And then you'll t- take that one. Imagine if the Tesla network is always 50% cheaper. That's why this is such an exciting business opportunity. You know, the cost is going to be under 18 cents a mile. We're going to look at a gross profit of 65 cents a mile, assuming 50% utilization. So that means there's a charging about a dollar fifty a mile, which is half, you know, the two to three dollars that Uber Lyft charging, maybe a little more than half, um, kind of just depending. But that's the, the quick calculation. It can go ninety thousand miles a year, um, thirty thousand dollars of gross profit per car per year. The average vehicle can run for eleven years, and so this all in all makes the net present value of a robo taxi, according to Musk's calculations here, two hundred grand. This is why he calls car, Tesla cars an appreciating asset. This is why I say the entire economics of the vehicle industry are getting flipped on their head because you go from a car that can generate 38, 40 grand in revenue when you sell it to actually, if you operate it as a service, transportation as a service, robo taxi, generate hundreds of thousands of revenue, especially if Tesla builds it for a million miles of life, it could have a net present value of 200 grand per car. This is a quintuple. It quit in the net present value of the car. I mean, this means the entire margins of Tesla's business are going to go through the roof. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a second, but that is why it's so exciting. And the last slide that Elon really shows here is fast deployment. We can have a million robo taxis on the road by mid 2020. What's crazy is so many skeptics were like hating on this chart saying like, it's crazy. Tesla's never going to hit that many cars by, by 2020. Like how are they going to have a million fully self-driving cars? Like they're already on the road. They're already at half a million and they're just going to keep selling, you know, however many a quarter till they get to a million and it's going to happen in about a year or, or, or 18 months. And so this is the chart that shows you that these cars are already, they have the hardware. All that's needed is an over the air software update and the robo taxi network is turned on with the flip of a switch and tesla has completed the biggest disruption in the transportation industry in decades and all the cars are already on the road that is what's so crazy and that's why this is such a i call tesla's business model a trojan horse they're selling all these cars at break even losing a little bit of money and but in the meantime building a fleet of hundreds of thousands of vehicles for when the software is ready to turn the switch and this robo taxi business is frankly going to dwarf the opportunity of selling cars directly elon also has this quote that says if you buy a car it's going to be like buying a horse if it doesn't have autonomy in the next couple years and you know i just think that's that puts it in perspective to me of just how big this disruption is like we're you know this this fundamental transformation of humans not being able to what elon call drive these you know 
two pound death machines, you know? Cars are killing so many people per year, we can make them so much safer, and it's gonna seem crazy that we let humans drive in a couple decades. And I think this is an incredible fundamental shift that's hard to wrap your head around because it's so different, but Tesla's leading it. And what really made it all click for me is I went on a test drive shortly after that presentation. Actually, it was the first demo test drive uh, with Ross Gerber and my friend Julian. It was epic, um, and we went, and the car drove itself for 15 or 20 minutes on the highway, on the streets, on stoplights, on stop signs, taking left turns and oncoming traffic, changing lanes, getting off the highway, navigating different highways by itself. The, car, the engineer had to intervene once when we were coming to slowly a stop and it couldn't figure out. There was like, it, it went from one lane to three and it got a little bit confused for one second, but we like, we weren't in harm's way at all. It didn't feel unsafe, but there was one intervention. But my point is, you know, and I'm, I'm going to play the footage right now. Like, I was in this car. I saw it drive itself. I saw it in debug mode. I saw what the vision was recognizing. Like, sure, this presentation's incredible. There's so much fancy technology and buzzwords and hype, but when you're in the car and it's driving itself and the steering wheel is turning, I mean, it is trippy. I, I feel safer. There was this moment after I got out of the presentation and I, I was crossing a crosswalk and I saw this lady driving towards me and she was on her phone. It looked like she was about to stop, but maybe she wouldn't. And I couldn't tell if she was paying attention. And I just had this moment of panic of like, I wish no one was in that car. I wish it was driving itself. I would feel so much safer crossing in front of it rather than seeing a human who I know is distracted. And that was like this aha moment of me, my brain as a person thinking like, wow, I actually just would have way rather trusted an AI than a human. That had never happened to me before. And it was like an hour after doing the test drive. So all I can say is that I feel, you know, Self-driving cars sounds like the super faraway thing, but it's so much closer than you think. And if you th assume the exponential rate of improvement in technology for these neural nets, I mean, it, there's a reason why Elon says that the feature completes coming this year and the robo-taxi service could get switched on next year because this thing is coming and fast. Lastly, I want to talk about the competition because everyone has been doing LiDAR. LiDAR, LiDAR, LiDAR. And Li Elon claims LiDAR is doomed and it's not the right approach. But, you know, Uber's technology is based on LiDAR. Waymo is using LiDAR. Cruise is using LiDAR. All these leaders worth billions of dollars have have bet on this technology called LiDAR. And what's crazy is that in just now, all of these sort of academics and thought leaders are starting to change their tune. Everyone thought Elon was crazy for not using LiDAR and saying Elon's right. For example, Anthony Lewandowski, co-founder of a company called uh, uh, or co-founder of Waymo, and then actually co-founder of a company that uh, called Auto that Uber bought for its self-driving program. Like literally one of the main guys developing Uber and Alphabet self-driving program or Waymo self-driving program, here's what he says. A wiser person than me, and I'll eat some humble pie here, said that LiDAR is a crutch. He's right. Basically, and then he goes on to basically validate Elon. This was at TechCrunch Disrupt. And so he's, you know, Anthony Lewandowski himself, right after the autonomy day, was like, yeah, Elon's right. LiDAR's a crutch. It's not going to work. So to have someone who's involved with Waymo and Uber now side with Elon is incredible. I thought the market, I thought Tesla stock should have jumped 20% on that news alone. But then we had Lex Fredman, who, or Friedman, who is a, you know, leading MIT research scientist who went on the Joe Rogan podcast um, and was talking about Tesla. And he says, on the software side, Tesla is far ahead of everyone else in the automotive sector and that's one of the problems competition is good and i'm worried that there's people way too far behind to actually give tesla new ideas and outcompete tesla on software i mean this is a guy from MIT. These are third parties. They have nothing to do with Tesla. And well, like, like what I've been saying, this self-driving car problem is a software problem. He's This guy's academic's biggest concern is not that Tesla is behind or they won't do it. It's that everyone is so far behind. 
that it's it's damaging to the pace of innovation for society because Tesla's so far ahead. I mean, this is to to wrap your head around the implications of these statements. I you know I just think these can't go unnoticed. You know, uh, to me it's baffling that we have these thought leaders being like, actually wait, you know, Uber, Waymo, and Cruise are wrong. Elon's right, and no one cares. Cruise is raising money at a twenty billion dollar valuation. Uber self driving units raising money at a ten billion dollar valuation. Tesla gets nothing. Its stock is down since Autonomy Day. This is unbelievable this is why i've been buying you know this is why i've been buying stock and, be, and increasing my position because i believe that this is a huge disruption that the vertical autonomy stack i mean nobody else has a chip nobody else has a guy like andre karpathy with the vision base you know world leader and vision based systems you know building their out their algorithms then you got this combination of 400,000 500,000 people on the road you know this fleet that's training it instead of what cruise does this is this blows my mind. What Cruise does, the company that GM invested in, you know, that's worth $20 billion, is they pay engineers to drive around San Francisco all night in these cars to train their neural networks. Tesla has you, has Tesla has customers paying it to drive its cars around, training its neural network. This is so much more cost efficient and will, is working at such a bigger scale that allows Tesla to connect so many more, collect so many more real world edge cases that it's training their neural network so much faster. You know, it's it's like a runaway train that I just don't think you can catch up to. And this is why I'm so excited. And all it takes is a flip of the switch and Tesla goes into this transportation as a service model. They're taking a 25 to 30% cut of every ride. It's stupid high margin. Elon even said, we're gonna run a cash flow break even to maximize the number of autonomous autonomous cars on the road as fast as we can. And when we turn that switch in the next year or two, Tesla is going to get incredibly cash flow positive. And so this is the inflection point. You know, this is, uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just very excited about this. And, and previously I didn't want to put any value on Tesla's autonomous division because, you know, there was so much up in the air about when it was going to launch, what's the state of the technology. But after sitting in the car myself, seeing how fast the timeline is, you know, me, I met everyone on the team, Pete Bannon, Andre Karpathy, Stuart Bauer, even Elon Musk, got to talk to all of them after about this and, and, and just so impressed by the, you know, the, le these are some of the smartest people I've ever met. Some of the smartest, you know, computers, chip software people, AI people in the world that work for Tesla in the past three years, they built this autopilot division that is, you know, putting cutting edge artificial intelligence, neural net technology into a consumer product used by hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, this is the cutting edge of artificial intelligence technology in the real world. Other than Google, this is one of the largest real world you know, implementations of this, of the tech. And so I don't think people realize how exciting this is as a technologist. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm incredibly impressed. And just to see the company I'm invested in build this in-house chip team in three years, you know, from the scratch and launch the chip and have it working. I mean, it, this is incredible. This is why I say Tesla's not really just a car company. They're a software company. They're a tech company because that is what they're, that, you know, that I, no other car company is going to build a chip from scratch and no other car company has this neural net software capability like Tesla. That is why Tesla's so far ahead. It's a software problem. They're a software company. And um, anyway, that, that's my rant on Tesla's vertical autonomy stack. I think vertical integration is the way to go. Everyone using LiDAR is going to have to rework their strategy. Tesla is potentially years ahead in the robot taxi race. It might be a little bit later than Elon says, you know, tw that 2020 timeline. It could be 21, 2022. But my point is, it doesn't matter. If Tesla's the first one there and they flip the switch first with, you know, hundreds of thousands or mil a couple million cars on the road, they're going to immediately start generating. I don't even want to know how much cash flow, but that is what I'm excited about. That's why I'm more bullish on the company than 
ever because I think the lead in autonomous technology is is hundreds of billions of value that is not being priced in a Tesla. And every single day, the neural net gets better. Every single day, we get closer to that that reality. And um, I just think nobody gets it. Nobody's paying attention. But I, I am blown away by what Tesla's autonomy team has done. So shout out to Tesla. Shout out to the amazing progress. Thank you so much for inviting me to Autonomy Day. I also have a super special guest coming on on Friday for a hyper chat to talk about Tesla's autonomy stuff. So there's going to be more in the works. Anyway, let me know what you think in the comments below. Would love to get your opinions. Um, this is HyperChange. Huge shout out to all of our Patreon supporters for funding the channel and signing up for our newsletter. Anyway, I'll see you guys next time. Peace.